Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your liver. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. It's your host of the Create Your Life series. I'm Kevin Y. Brown, and I'm very, very happy to be with you here on this Sunday. Um, it's been an interesting week, and you know our first uh, section that we like to cover is the catch-up uh, part, where I tell you about what's been going on with me during the week. Uh, actually, I had a really, really interesting experience um, this week. I walked out of my house, I believe it may have been Wednesday night, <clears throat> at about 10.30 p.m. and I was walking down the street in Harlem and I literally made it two houses down and I saw a young lady actually having a seizure. And I didn't know what was going on at first. I just saw her shaking and she was shaking near a bush, um, a tree near my home. And so I thought at first she was digging for something. And as I got closer, I noticed that she was actually seizuring. And so I immediately ran to her aid and uh, tried to turn her to, to a sister. And then I, I got on the phone with 911. I mean, it's all happening simultaneously. I like tried to put her head down, um, move her uh, body. And, but I had never done with such a situation, dealt with such a situation. And so then I literally, um, called 911 and was speaking with them. And at the same time, they were asking me the same questions redundantly, which I did still to this day don't understand. But we were, I was trying to find and telling them exactly where I was at and that this young lady, you know, what was going on with her and that she was kind of foaming at the mouth a little bit. And so I turned her to her side and then actually started to yell for help because I felt like 911 wasn't helping. And so two ladies who were down the street, um, they were looking and I pointed to them and said, hey, you, I need your help. I don't, I need to, we're trying to save this young woman or make sure that she's okay. And so. Long story short, the ambulance ended up coming. We had the young lady. She was on her side and she was able to, uh, she came back to and she was a little shocked about where she was and things like that. But um, it was just a really eye-opening experience because to be honest with you, I don't know how long she was out there and how long she was seizuring. I don't know what was going on. She didn't know where she was headed and she was afraid. And so with that, I want to say that you know, to all of those out there to create your life series family, I want you all to hold who's with you and who's a part of your family dearly, man, and make sure that you actually check in on on your people who are important to you and maybe even friends who, you know, might not have, uh, you guys may not be as close as you once were, but to make sure that you're keeping tabs on your loved ones so that, you know, they're always um, able to be in contact with you or that you know what's actually going on with them 
so that they're, you know, they're safe. Because had I not actually walked out my house and I literally had decided at the last minute, it's 1030 at night to walk out. Had I not done that, there was literally no one else outside. I don't know what the, uh, the outcome would have been for this young lady. And so with that said, we actually have somebody very special in here when you're talking about family and keeping tabs on family. I have one of my great friends who I met in Japan in 2013, who's actually a part of the first videos that you've seen on the Create Your Life Series YouTube channel. And that's my good friend, Jack Lewis, who is here visiting the States all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Jack, please say hello to the Create Your Life Series family. G'day. How are you going? Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. What's up, Kev? <laughs> What's up, Jack? And it's funny because Jack's Jack's voice is actually the last voice that you hear on the Create Your Life Series theme yeah. song. Mm-hmm. So, uh, dude, how are you enjoying the state so far? New York, like what's going on? You've been here for a few days now. I don't even know if I can properly answer that question with the time which I've been allotted. But basically, the states is equally as crazy as I thought it would be, especially New York. It's exactly what I thought it would be. It's mental. <laughs> and Jack, you got to help us out with your with your uh, lingo there because you're from Aussie land and we're from the states. So yeah, when you're sorry. saying mental and crazy, sorry, it's a it's a very busy place, um, and it doesn't seem to stop. There seems to be everything here. I mean, Harlem is incredible. The uh, what like I've been here what four days now, yeah. something like that. And in that time, what you've already exposed me to culturally, um, historically, whatever is just uh, like jaw dropping is all I can say. Okay. And it's good to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. Good to have you, man. I'm happy. You're going to be here for a month. And so we're going to spend more time with Jack, man. You're actually one of the uh, one of the funniest guys I know. But uh, our next guest who we're going to have up on the, on the show, Create Your Life Series family, he actually, he's funny and he's funny for a living. So really excited to bring today's guest uh, on the show, a full-time comedian, very successful, has spoken around the world. I actually want to know where exactly he's spoken at, but we have comedian uh, Willie Lynch Jr. Willie, please say hello to the Create Your Life Series family. Uh, what's up, Create Your Life Series uh, here in uh, Mississippi or wherever I'm at? <laughs> he's in New York, y'all. He's in New York. Oh, yeah. Man. Willie Lynch Jr., but how did you come up with that name? People don't usually come up with their names like their parents used to come up with them. Can I so curse you, on here? No, absolutely oh, not. Why you, why you even say that, man? Hey, man, if you Ooh. curse on here, we're not going to have no show no more. We're going to have some real it. problems. I forgot I had already <laughs> told my mom and them listen, so I really can't curse. Okay, cool, cool. Um, but no, um, yeah, I don't know what you mean by that. But if you're talking about, like, elaborate, because people ask Okay, me so I know you didn't grow up and your mama was calling you Willie Lynch Jr., no, most people's mothers don't call them by their uh, full na- nickname and, and whole name. They don't say, hey, Terrence, call you Junior. They say, come here, boy. Right. You know what I mean? So right. you're right, she didn't call me. So I'm name. guessing your real name is Terrence Collier Jr. No, actually, uh, my cousin's <laughs> name was um, Terrence Miguel Collier, and he actually just just uh, he just he passed like last month. Oh, sorry to hear Uncle that. Uncle Mick, what up, G? Sorry, I had to do that. This is, uh, this is therapy for me, so. Okay, live your life. But uh, how did you... Is that community name. name, man? How'd you come up okay, with Okay, well, now you just... I ain't never tell you that that ain't my real name, but it's not my real name. Uh, what happened was... <laughs> <laughs> see, that would be killing me. And, and you know, it, the reason why the name... Why, why people even ask is because a lot of people... In ter- like in ter- We don't study. We don't research. We just listen. And then we just pass information on. Absolutely. We don't know whether or not it's real or not. So mm-hmm. everybody heard about the Willie Lynch letter. Absolutely. Um, and when I was in graduate school, because um, I went to Tennessee State for graduate school, I went to uh, Fisk University for undergrad. Yes, sir. And I was working at uh, um, Bell Mead Plantation down there. And when I was down wow. there, um, I read the Willie Lynch letters. And then it was like, it was, had a real profound uh, impact on me. And I was Absolutely. like, this actually is happening right now today. And so I had done comedy since I was a kid. But I just mm. never did it seriously. I never was committed to it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to change my name 
Mm-hmm. I stay. I said, I'm gonna start doing comedy again. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go by the name Willie Lynch because I was like, I want to kind of educate people. So one of the things that the letter said was like, um, you know, make them feel as though they're like a floating ball in a vacuum, meaning that they they have no connection to anything. Their history. It's like take the history away from it. That's one of the biggest ways you can get them. And Absolutely. so as a historian, I was like, I'm gonna use that name, G. And I added the Junior one night because I was um tw- I was I finally got on Twitter and one right. of, and um I tried to use the name Willie Lynch. But it was already taken, so I just put Willie Lynch Jr. And then it became a catchy thing I used to do, but I don't do it anymore. That's how I came up with it. Right. See, <laughs> that is, uh, I read that letter uh, my second year in college. And like you said, you know, it had a profound effect on me. And I actually had my younger cousins reading it when they were 13, 14 years old, trying to help them understand their responsibility that they have, you know, to the culture, to their people. Because like you said, man, when you don't have that attachment uh, to your history, man, you you oftentimes lost. Not often. You always lost. Right, right. And then you know that letter was written by a brother, right? Now that I didn't know. 1970, doing North Carolina. Wine. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram and I tell you your name. Actually, you can just see it on there. It's yeah. on Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, bro, your Instagram is awesome. I like your Instagram. You, you always, you're posting books that people should be reading. You definitely have information about the veganism and, uh, you know, eating healthy. And of course, you know, it's always a laugh and you're always somewhere randomly, dude. Um, Hold on, before we go any, any further, I got to ask you, what is it like working on a plantation? Like, what were you doing at this plantation? Okay, this is how I started. My gal at the time, and, and for people out there, I'm from East St. Louis, and we call our ladies our gals. You know what I'm saying? So it's <laughs> okay. no disrespect, not a pejorative uh, thing, even though at times it can be seen as such. But um, what happened was um, I, I went with, at the plantation. I went to go visit with my, uh, my girlfriend at the time and because uh, I, was, I, was I was a historian. You know, I was in school to be, you know, be a historian. And I went on a plantation. I noticed that they never mentioned the word slavery there. They never talked about slavery. And they always made it seem as though the slaves were, or the enslaved uh, Africans, our ancestors, they made it seem like as though they were like servants. You know, they're working on, you know. Just like work. they wanted to be there. Yeah, so I was like, I was playing. I said, like, hey, y'all hiring? And he was like, yeah. This is this older white gentleman who gave me the who uh, gave me the application. He actually ended up giving me a book uh, about boulderize. It's about, it's about the word boulderize. Anyway. So, what does that word mean? It means to like delete, to delete something, to take it out, like to purge it, to um, to uh, edit. Huh. So and, is that what you would say that the slaves had done to them in terms no, no, of no, history? No, that's what they had done to, and it was just a coincidence I mentioned that with that book, but that's what they had done to our, our history there at that plantation. They talked about the, the house and how big it was and when it was built. They don't tell you about who built it. They talk about two two uh, black folk on the plantation. They they forget to mention that these black folks that they're talking about as free people, but they really weren't free people because this was during the period after Reconstruction. So these black folks are still stuck on the plantation on doing it's called sharecropping. Started in eighteen sixty seven. So what it was like, I ended up getting a job, and I told you I had been doing comedy off and on since I was a kid, but never seriously. So by this time, I was giving tours, and I was making it funny as hell. Okay. So I was telling some real serious. I just said here. I know I, my vocabulary yeah. is very extensive. You ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I was. I was. You know, very funny and I'm informative at the same time. I'm throwing out books and chapters. You know, specific pages people can go reference. And I'm talking about some real gruesome stuff because slavery is and was. And you know, at that time, a lot of those you know white folks who would come from up north or from Europe, they would be kind of like shocked and they didn't know it. And why I would tell them something about branding or how they used to burn slaves up and do all type of crazy stuff. Why they're looking like this? Then I would throw a punchline in there. And talking about midgets looking like tall babies. And then they just fall out laughing like, <laughs> and I would get tips. <laughs> okay. You making that money on the uh on the plantation, huh? You and they fired me. That was a crazy. <laughs> How'd you get fired, man? Bruh, because <laughs> Because what? They talking about I was stealing boxes. What boxes or what? <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> that was from Friday, dog. I know, I know. No, I did get fired though. 
it was, they made up some stuff, but it was because I was my my my, my what's name was thorough. He had a lot of folks who loved it. I'd say about ninety some percent probably loved my tours, mm-hmm. and then like that that ten percent or, or less or even more. Those they complained. Those are the ones who were from the south, and they just wanted to hear the good old story about James Harden and, and, and his son. Um, uh, General, you know, Jackson and everybody, all the people who came to the place, they want to hear about those things. They don't want to talk about the reality of that place and how right. it was, you know, the, the devil's playground. Mm. So that's why they fired me. They, but they said something totally different. Though. Absolutely. Okay. So you said you've always been uh, doing comedy. I know you have a very uh, interesting story because at one point you were, um, you were about to become a barber. Mm-hmm. You were thinking about going to get your PhD. Mm-hmm. And what else was going? Then it was, or you could become a comedian. So, walk us through that that process, that train of thought, in order to make those make that decision. Well, it wasn't no train of thought. I'm like my mama, bro. We just be doing stuff. When it was stuff happening, we kind of want to do. We just go. Like my mama, real scary. You know what I'm saying? She didn't think she. <laughs> no, real talk. She. It's called self efficacy, not self esteem. Self efficacy, like one's be, uh, belief in themselves if they, that they that they can complete a specific task. Absolutely. So she was like, she couldn't do math. You know, I can't do. I'm not good at science or whatever. And she finally went back to school, and not only does she have a master's degree now, she has a doctorate, in, um, and I believe in she got one from Divinity School. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I was. So what happened with me, I just, she, she did stuff aimlessly, but I got, I got, she got committed, and so too did I. And um, at first, I was, tw- my first time on stage, I was 13, but it was just one time, but I would always get up in front of different family members and stuff. Where at? Um, back in East St. Louis. High school, middle school? No, in, I said 13 in East St. Louis. This is, I said in front of family. I did a comedy. Well, this was actually is a talent show, I'm sorry. Right. Um, but that was just at one time. And then what happens was, um, when I got older, I always loved stand-up comedy. And I just kind of was like, I'm going to try to do it when I got to college. And I did, like, my first first couple of months of school, I was I won a couple of talent shows. and But I still was lazy. I had no one to push me. And then I ended up getting sick. And right after I turned 21, um, what it was was, I knew it had something to do with either somebody laced my, um, something I was laced my, I said something I was smoking, either laced my, my, my stuff, my okay. green, it wasn't but green, just natural stuff, not no bad stuff. Or they put, they slipped me a drink, they slipped something in my drink, somebody did something. Right. And I just knew for, something was wrong with me. So I was literally, I, I battled depression for two, two years. I'm talking about chemical depression. Like I'm going through something right now, but it's my cousin passed. I'm just in mourning. Right. But then this is something I couldn't get out of and I couldn't cut hair no more. I had to start cutting hair in college and I got really good at it. Okay. But you know. Down at Fisk? No, before I got to Fisk. I went to um, school in Champaign-Urbana, Parkland College, not the University of Illinois. I was lying telling people I was there. I was at the junior college. Okay. You know I'm black. Hey man. (laughs) Hey, everybody got a journey. You know what I mean? And I think that that's important because you now you have a master's degree, right? Yeah. So you went from junior college to to Fisk. Right. That's important, man, because a lot of our listeners have different uh, levels of degrees, you know, because if we're talking to entrepreneurs, young professionals, and people who are well set in their career looking to change their pace. So it's important for them to know what you've been. Yeah, man. It's like, in essence, what happened was I got knocked down. I was down for a while. Right. And I couldn't really, I could barely talk, bro, let alone be funny. I lost yeah. the ability not even to do it in front of a whole bunch of people, but just two or three people. And I, when I got it back, my whole life changed. And I wrote an essay called To, Whom's, Whom, to Whom Much Is Given. As you can see, you can see it on my website, willingsjourney.com. It tells you about my story and what happened. And then um, I started doing comedy after I finished graduate school. I started doing it again, like really seriously. No, even before that, in 2005, my last year at Fisk is when I got healthy again. I got better. And my, my brain came back. My functions came back. And I was funny again. So I kind of dabbled again in there. You can look on Inst- on Facebook, on YouTube, and see my real name. It says East St. Louis Comedy Show. So an- it'll say my name, Anthony Collier. Right. You can see me when I first got back on stage after being sick for two years. Mm. I was 22. And then to, uh, to speed up the story, I ended up seeing Dion Cole 
at the St. Louis House of Comedy in 2009, August, um, I believe it was August the 9th, maybe. I had just moved back home from graduate school. And I went over there and I was like, you know what, mom, I'm finna try to do this for real. And I said, I went every week and I ended up becoming like where I am right now, just from that. Okay. Let me, what, what was it like and how did you make it, you know, and stay on the grind, I guess, to become better and get your functionalities and things like that uh, back? Because you were in school at the time. So how did you make it back to being 100% healthy? What was your state of mind? Well, my state of mind was chaotic, man. It was like, bro, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, like to be sick and not know what's wrong or where it's right. coming from. Then you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell nobody. Right. And then you know it's some type of mental illness. And to know that you have a mental illness drives you insane. Especially right. if you're somebody who, who thinks very highly of themselves, like I do, because I was, you know, it's my grandfather's DNA in my blood. Absolutely. I believe I leak. So um, is that who was, what what kept you motivated? What made you motivated to just, continue to get better and strive? To give you the metaphysical answer, uh, my ancestors, just that spirit, that dogged uh, spirit of that black woman, you know what I mean? My grandmothers. Um, that's what drove me. I mean, that's what kept me up, kept me afloat. And then just my mental state, because I'm always thinking, like I can't, I'm never just satisfied with just a, a surface answer. You know what I mean? I'm always digging. Like my mama had me playing chess when I was a kid. I mean, I'm like from age uh, 10, on up, I'm telling you, playing competitively. I have to go to chess practice five days a week, four hours a day. Wow. That's a thinking man's game for real. Yeah. I'm talking about, bro, I'm thorough. Like when I'm on my, I, I'm not talking about like a regular person. I, I know you couldn't find 10 people that you know personally that could beat me. Wow. I, I mean, I might have some friends. I want to see that put to the test. I'm going to be honest with you. I need to work on my chess game. So, you know, if you got a couple moments when we're not on there, man, I'd definitely be happy to learn from you. Learn yeah, a couple I'll things. Be, I'll be willing to That's the honest truth. That's the honest truth. Now, let me ask you this. What is the, how would you describe your comedic style? Um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's almost, sometimes it could be scatterbrained because sometimes I just say some wild stuff. Because mm -hmm. like, it is, it, my, my style is me. That's why it's hard for people to steal my style, even though folks are trying now because I talk about some very profound things. I'm not saying that I'm right, but Such I talk as? about, um, whether I'm talking about history because I'm a historian, whether I talk about religion, uh, whether I talk about nutrition, Without talking about just diet, exercise, you know, basketball, sports, you know what I'm saying? Scandals, like black celebrities, you know. Like what like what I, about these things? Give us an example of what you, something you might say on stage. Okay, I do a bit about, um, about milk and how dangerous it is. You know what I mean? Um, but I make it funny. You know what I'm saying? Um, you, want, you want a joke? What do you want? Yeah, give me one. Give us one. Oh, look, let me see. I had to remember I was on the... On the gospel channel. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Let me see. What happened? Why are you looking like that? No, no, no. You got, you got, you got me over nervous. Is that thing? Hey, man. I think he got some asbestos up in the earth. Something <laughs> throwing my mustache. Um, but no, let me see. Um, I, got, I do a bit that I talk about Bill Cosby. You know what I'm saying? And I bring up, I show not so much everybody's point of view, but I come from a neutral perspective. But then I put the history into it. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, the way I bring it home. When I, do, I talk about the election. I, I tell you, I give you some specific, because um, I, I, I did this at the Apollo. You can see this joke actually on YouTube right now. I give specific, uh, I do talk about the election, um, Hillary, Trump, and um, and John McCain from last from last election. Okay. And the things that I say about it, of course, it's funny, you know what I'm saying? But I'm quoting Howard Zinn, chapter 22, uh, I mean, uh, a people's history of the United States, uh, chapters 22 and chapter 24. I'm doing like comedians don't do that. And I'm not bragging on myself, I'm just, I'm just describing my, my what I do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Then in, after, in the middle of that, like last night, I just about, did this show in uh, New Jersey. It's called uh, Sweets Comedy uh, cl uh, Club or whatever. It was a real nice place. 
it was some people in there kind of just talking and heckling. Now, mind you, I'm up here talking to so-called smart intellectual comedy. But I started ripping the holes in everybody that was talking. Then I started destroying the DJ, bro. <laughs> and then I went right back to my material and started talking about cow's milk. Started talking wow. about the thyroid gland. So that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's just wild. But I can, you know, in the middle of this, while everybody's laughing, I just say, who often used to have AIDS but they ain't got no more? Round of applause. Like, I just ask stupid questions. <laughs> but it seems like a very, very mind-evoking questions, provoking questions. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't, that's just, I'm letting you know I'm crazy and I can't be serious when I say who got AIDS. <laughs> so what is your preparation like in order to get uh, to stage? Because in order, like I do professional speaking, right? So I've spent a lot of time prepping before I go on stage. But when you're on stage, to be able to go away, talk about everybody in the conference and then keep that train of thought where you're at, you know what I mean? To come right back to your material. What is your train of th- What's your preparation process for that? Well, I don't know if you prepare for that, but I know preparing just to be a good comedian, you have to stay on stage. And that's that's principally what I do. That's principally what I try to do. And all the times, I'm sorry, all the times, you know, I thought I was too loud. Uh, <laughs> um, but all the times I don't get on stage and I need to. Um, I'm sorry again. Yeah, they said I wasn't talking close up in the mic. Maybe I was saying some of y'all wasn't supposed to hear. And my mom probably on the other end, like, you better not look. Don't don't you ruin my daddy's name every time I do something <laughs> wrong. My mom said, see, my daddy wouldn't have done nothing like that. I'm like, mama, can you just, okay, what you asked me, boy? <laughs> I said, what's your preparation? Oh, ain't no preparation, process. man. You just get on, look, you just get on stage, Ain't dog. no preparation? No, for that, for, to, 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 to do it the way I do it, I don't prepare to do it. I just get on stage and I work. Yeah, that comes with the flow of the moment. But there's preparation for you to know your material and be able to come back to that same point. No, I mean, man. everybody can't do that. There's comedians who, who are funnier than I am who can't do that. That's just a skill that I have that I don't know where it came from. Like, when I'm you asking for, a, you asking about a specific thing. You Absolutely. said to be able to go off on somebody and then jump right back to my material. Right. Nobody prepares to do that. I'm crazy, man. <laughs> I got my brother draws on right now. I believe you. Probably got your auntie socks on too, huh? See, now you're trying to jump. <laughs> you don't even want that. You don't even want that. You don't even want <laughs> So... Uh, <laughs> who are some of the comedians that you look up to, man? Willie Lynch and Junior. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Um, let me see. Uh, Bill Bellamy, like that's the he was that's like the big homie. You know what I'm saying? Ever since I got in the game when I started in 2009, um, Bill was like, you know, I worked with him, and he was like, you remind. He said these few things to me that I never forget. He says. Always tell your story. He said, talk about growing up in East St. Louis. Talk about going to college and having a master's degree and coming back home and trying to fit in with everybody else. Like, he gave me material. You know what I'm saying? He didn't, you know, write no joke, but he was just telling me what to say. He was like, bro, right. tell your story. That's what he told me. You know what I'm saying? He told me, he's like, you commit to comedy, I'm going to commit to you. And, bro, ever since then, bro, like, he he, been, he was connect, he always been connected with me on social media. He always responded. He'd be retweeting my stuff. He'd be posting my stuff. He'd like a picture or something. And, we, you know, Bill Bellman, like, a picture, all your partners in the crib, the hood would be like, hey, dog, hey, 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 he, he, folks, famous for real now, G. Look, Bill, that's dude from How to Be a Player. How to Be a Player, man, the classic. Hey, what's so crazy is you, <laughs> if you see Bill, bro, he still, he look younger than he used to. Oh, man. Brother got some he, good he, he must be a he, vegan, too, huh? I don't know, but I know Bill, you're right, because Bill, Bill a pretty boy like your boy. Like, I'm pretty, too, sometimes. Hey, man. When I got my haircut and my deodorant working. <laughs> and your deodorant working. Man. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Your deodorant not working right now, though. You learn. You want to got no uh, no sleeves on? <laughs> That's me smelling like that. I don't know. I'm trying not to inhale over there. Man, I thought that was Jack. Maybe he ain't got no mm-hmm. sleeves on. This nipple hanging out. This little top he got on. Oh man, that's crazy. And that's how you it know, man. Me, he got a top on. He ain't no shirt. He got a top. Put your top on, Clarence. I am wearing a tank top. And I told you Thank what you I said. 
Oh no, man, this is like a shirt, right? Oh man. <laughs> he got me. He got me, man. You know what? I'm not about to be your friend. I'm sorry, brother. You look, you said make it funny. No, I didn't tell you to make it funny, especially not funny on me. You was talking about me. And I got my shirt all the way up. Look, I'm I'm clean today. I'm dressed like my father. Oh, okay. In my father's With the beads house. on. Yeah, with the beads. You fresh over on there. Them? Over there. No, over no. there. Where, where you get them? Yo, yo. I got them from Timbuktu. Uh-huh. Mysterious by Felix Du Bois, written in 1889. He okay. talks about a brother named Achmed Baba at the University of San Korea, Timbuktu. He told the students to do two things. He said, keep God and keep science because they're one and the same. A lot of you people have God, but you don't have science. That's why you hear people say, oh, diabetes running my family. The only reason why diabetes run your family is because don't nobody in your family run. All oh, y'all lazy. Those are the type of jokes I tell on stage, bro. Uh, man, I and like that. Yeah, I don't never do what people tell me to do. Okay. Hey, I can't be mad at you. So, Willie, before we left out, you were telling us about your relationship with uh, Bill Bellamy and how that's been uh, amazing and basically made you... Uh, you know, kind of like into a hood star, you know, your boys back home were definitely uh, in in tune with you saying that you were popular and that you actually made it. So who are some of the other comedians that you met, that you look up to? Um, I got to look up to D.L. Hughley um, because I've been watching D.L. since I was a kid. I used to have my, I used to have a part in my hair like D.L. I used to watch Comic View with my grandmother, you know, with D.L. when D.L. was the host and when D.L. was just coming on there. He like, then he my Facebook friend. Oh. You know what I'm saying? And then he just started following me on Instagram like a couple months ago and I showed everybody the career. I was like, ah! <laughs> And now to see him like to evolve, like he's an intellectual. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody calls him that, but he's an intellectual. Absolutely. You don't have to go to college to get a PhD be, be the, to be an intellectual. An intellectual is one who you is exercises their intellect. You know what I'm saying? They, 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 they study and exchange ideas with people and they, you know, put them forth and, you know, debate them. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I've seen them definitely on a few uh, different channels like CNN and different things like talking about current issues and things like that. And I definitely, uh, he makes some valid points. He definitely yeah, makes who some else I'm going to say, because um, I'm going to let me speed up a little bit. Um, my boy K-Dub, Kelly K-Dub Walker. Okay. Like, that's one of the coldest dudes in the game. Me and K-Dub around the same age. We kind of look like, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. And uh, he, from, he from Memphis, <laughs> but he, uh, he's based out of Atlanta. He's on T.I.'s show and he's on the Shaq, new Shaq All-Star. But that's one of my dogs, like one of my favorite comics to watch. Okay. Um, Carlos Miller, Lil Real, my favorite, Leon Rogers, um, talent. You know what I'm saying? Talent and two right. Me and me and me, me and my roommate Leonard Oots. I don't know if you ever seen the commercial, the uh, Three Brothers Moving commercial. Okay, no, the Optimum, Optimum commercial. Have you ever seen that? Okay, it's, it's it's all over New York, and this this big kid he's throwing this this uh this box down the steps. This is the guy who who came with me on my journey, and he made it. He's, he's famous now. Okay, and um anyway, uh. We we argue about who's greater, a uh, comedian named Talent or Two Ray out of Philly. You know, like these are dudes I look up to. Like I saw Two Ray when I was in Chicago at my home t- my home club, Jokes and Notes in two thousand and I believe uh, ten. Could have been October, and I saw Two Ray do three different shows. I think he did. I saw him two do di- two different shows. I watched the Saturday, eight thirty and ten thirty. He did a different forty five minutes. Now, he may have used one bit, but the rest of it was just totally different forty five minutes. And I'm wow. like, I'm like, dang, I want to do that. And like, because since then, I became a very prolific writer. You know, so those are the guys who I look up to. So you, you write your own jokes or you got, got people ghostwriting for you? No, I ghostwrite for other people. Oh, okay. So if I would write for other people, why would I? That's my right for me. And my, my ego too big, bro. Not saying nobody that, that y'all keep paying me right for you. I ain't saying y'all ego ain't as big as mine, but <laughs> like I come from a different vantage point. You know what I'm saying? I come from a different point of view. Right. I'm sitting in a different tower. Mm, we all are in towers, but I'm sitting in a different one. You know, you sitting in your own. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. So, as a comedian, how important is it for you to study uh, those who have come before you, or the people that you look up to? Like, do you... any craftsman knows 
any crafts on earth, they're, they're salt or they're weight in gold. Absolutely. They know that it's incumbent upon them to study those who have come before them. All African people, that's in our DNA. So no matter what I'm doing, no matter what part of God's work I'm doing, you know, I still, I, I'm going to have to study the people that came before me because, you know, I didn't invent it. Absolutely. So you actually corrected me and, told, and helped me reroute my question that I had for you earlier. And you're talking about studying the people before you, you're talking about people that you look up to. So how does one prepare to be a great comedian? What does that preparation process look like? Well, first of all, you have to be funny. Or, True. and, or you have to get, no, you have to be funny because in order to get funny, you have to be, that means you, that you are funny. You've, you've arrived. Um, a lot of people are not funny. A lot of people just do it because they really want to do it. You know, growing up, I used to always believe, I used to always believe that all kids wanted, all boys, black boys wanted to play the drums at church. We wanted <laughs> to be a barber and be good at basketball. And, and, or, and then now it's the community. Everybody wants to be funny. You know, I might not necessarily want to be a stand up, but you want to be funny. So to be the funniest guy in the room is something. You know, so a lot of people want to be that person and they're not. So for me, you know, you got to be funny. So being funny, then studying the people who come before you, then getting on stage like this. I, one of my homeboys told him, told me that Paul Mooney told him in 2008, I believe in St. Louis. He said, what do you got to do? He said, what do I got to do to be a great comedian? He says, he says, stay, he says, stay out of jail and everything else you're going to learn on stage. Wow. Wow. That's deep. Tis true. You know what I'm saying? But that's what it is. How much time do you spend on stage or how often are you? Um, how often are you booked traveling to? Well, I need to be traveling. I need to be traveling way more. Um, I need to, I've been, I've been doing some other things. Like I've been tapping into the other parts of who I am. Absolutely. I'm not just, I'm just, I'm not just a stand up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do other things. So for me, at least if I get on stage, maybe in New York, I can get on stage 25, 20 times, 25, 30 times a week if I wanted to. Okay. But sometimes I may just get on stage, maybe seven to eight, sometimes 10 to 15. You know, and on the weekends, you know, for, a lot of times I'm booked, well, I, I need to be booked way more. Mm -hmm. but like I said, I've been doing other things. But in terms of pre preparation, whether I'm in town or out of town, I'm going to be on stage. Wow. Even if you're just going somewhere and you're hanging out, you're trying to find a stage. But no, nah, I don't hang out. Like, I mean, I'll be, you know, I'll be booked. You know, even if I'm just here in New York, I like, I mean, I barely hang out. If, I, if, if I'm not getting, if I'm not, if I don't have work, then I'll feed the other, the other parts of me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'll read some books. I've studied some 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 nutrition. You know what I'm saying? Try to figure out what metabolism really means. You know, I'll be doing I'm, I'm weird like that, bro. Like it's it sounds like you thorough. I don't know if you want to call that weird. I, no, I it's call weird because it's not normal no more. Man. See, that's just an African characteristic. Those are African characteristics, you know what I'm saying? But we didn't get away from that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. I like that. So what is the lifestyle? Well, you're obviously on a, another echelon right now as a comedian, but what is the lifestyle of a comedian? Um, usually consistent of you're on the road. Are most comedians, are they uh, doing comedy part-time in yeah, a lot conjunction of, with something else? Or a lot of comedians aren't even getting paid. So it's not, it's a hobby until you start getting paid. Wow. How long did it take you to uh, cross over? Well, when I got serious, because I don't really count the other times because I wasn't really serious. Okay. Because uh, I did, like I said, in, um, in when I was, 1995, my first time getting on stage. I didn't get back on stage in the stand-up comedian capacity up until again I won't say it was actually no they don't know what I'm saying of real it was it was a uh, 2000 when I was a freshman in college and then after that it was 2005 2006 that I did it a little bit in 2007 and I stopped in 2008 but these is I'm talking about like maybe a total of seven times gotcha 
2009 is when I say I started. And, you know, so I'm still in the grind. And I, I, start, I didn't get paid until I started getting paid early in St. Louis when I started in, in, uh, in August. I started getting paid probably maybe my first little money was probably in October. No, I take it was September. It was one hundred fifty dollars. September what? Twenty fifteen? Yeah, no, September of twenty. Oh, September two thousand nine. Okay. I started in August, so by the month in, I got paid by the bros, uh, uh, bros of East St. Louis alumni chapter, Cap Alpha Side. Cap Alpha Side. And man, them folk did everything but boo me. <laughs> Ooh, and I did that in front of my my teachers, and I'm to my preschool teachers, Sunday school teachers. Oh man, this one I, I was new, bro, and them folk didn't boo me. But this how I knew I was doing bad. Number one, they wouldn't laugh. Number two. When I said, all right, uh, I'm about to get out of here. And I was going to tell another joke right after I said that. And so I said, yeah, I'm about to get out of here. Everybody stood up. I was like, wait a minute, I got a nose off. <laughs> Dang, man, you still dog. You just might say dog. He'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> and they ain't even want to give me the money, dog. Like, dude gave me a check. He was he was pulling it back. I was like, man, get my money, dog. I don't care what I did, man. I need this little hurt. I need this little hurt. I was broke too, Jack. I was working at J. Crew. <laughs> I had my little change. That's all I had was a little change. <laughs> and mama was giving me money. Mama paid my car note. Bro, I was out there bad, G. Hey, and what man. happened, I moved to Chicago. That's when I started getting a little money because up there at Jokes Notes and Chicago had a pretty nice scene. So right. I was getting paid because St. Louis scene, the club I was at, he really he wasn't paying down, nobody. Right? He had closed and then, then even there, I was only was only there for like six months. You know, and I was like, I got a little paper. My first big money I got was I had my own show and I made some money. I made like, I had, it was for $5. I made, charged people $5 to get in. I had a nice little turnout. And nice. then that next week, they got me. They made me get get them all that money back. Like you gotta pay attention because some of these people be they low down. Okay, so you went from somebody arguing with you, or basically pulling that hundred and fifty dollar check back, to now you're you you traveling the world and stuff like that. Where are some of the places internationally that you've had the opportunity to do comedy? Well, shoot, I was over there in uh, Memphis. See, I'm telling people that in a stupid way. Like that ain't that's in that's in her. That's in the country. But overseas, you said overseas or in, I mean, overseas, man, international. Oh, what's you? This is international because them Negroes in South Memphis is, look, you hear me? Orange <laughs> Mound, they ain't, that's a different nation of folks. <laughs> they still got Jerry Curl. No, I don't do. believe it. I'm not believing that. I'm telling Jerry Curl in 2016. Bro, in 2015, they're going to have him in 2017. They're crazy. Oh, man, Anybody crazy. from Memphis, either they got a Jerry Curl, they want one real bad. Okay. You said, what you asked me? Oh, places I've been. I've been to uh, Canada. I was in uh, Alberta and Edmonton. Okay. And then I had a good time there. Um, I did Jamaica. I just got back from Jamaica. That's like my second home now. Um, the been there three times. The Dominican Republic, uh, that was fun. Where did it go back? Um, I did Belize and Cosmel, and I did Japan, and I did um, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I think that may be it. Okay. So you're on the road, and you're doing comedy, tw- you know, sometimes 10, 15 times a week, seven times a week. You can get on stage 30 times a week. How does that translate into your diet? Like, because I know I'm on the road sometimes for a month at a time and eating healthy is hard for me. So can you give some tips or tell us how, you know, you got into this? You got to lead that. Well, you got to lead into that. You're going to say how I got into it. How you got into this veganism, man? Okay, I'm, well, bro, I'm, you got to throw the there. subject out there. Don't say, okay, y'all know he don't eat no meat. Yeah, I like, know. Oh, you're right. He don't eat no meat. No, girl, he don't, eat no don't even eat oatmeal. Yeah, you don't mess. I don't mess with none of that. I got to have mine natural, Charlie. No, what happened, um, not about how it translated. I became a vegan in 2013 when my aunt passed on her 65th birthday, uh, August 16th, because I knew from my studies that African people did not eat meat 
prior to slavery and colonialism. And, you know, in certain places we did, but it was a reason why we didn't. And we didn't eat uh, 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 we didn't eat too much of it. Uh, we okay. barely ate it. And, like, once again, we started eating at a certain time. This is doing a decline, in essence, if you, if, you know, if you look at some perspective or believe some perspectives or accept some giving. Um, but um, when I knew that, I was like, I was at home with my cousin. We went to see the Cardinals game, and I had uh, some loaded nachos, and I felt real sick. Sick. It had some cheese on it, you know, the, the little peppers, and it had the, the, the what they call it the ground beef. Right. I don't know if it was the ground beef, but they call it the ground beef because <laughs> they be putting piggers and pig, you know, placentas, all types of stuff and stuff. And yeah, they got human DNA and hot dogs. That's how they finna catch black folks. That's another reason Placenta. they finna get black people to lock us up because now they finding human DNA and hot dogs. And all you can do is pump one out of stomach because you know we'd be at the barbecue. Okay, wow. you missed the joke, but it was, I was supposed to be a good one. That's a real, that was actually reality. That's actually a joke. Crazy. That's, I mean, that's actually reality too. But um, to answer the question, what was we at? <laughs> I'm just How did you get into veganism? What, what happened what was, man, um, I said I'm going to fast from beef and pork for 30 days. And I was 27 years old. And at the time, I said I was going to stop eating beef and pork um, by the time I turned 30 because I didn't want to get colon and prostate cancer because I had read that that's what causes it. So, I believe I read that in Dr. Africa's book, African Holistic Health. You know, so that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop. But when I fasted, about maybe about two weeks in, I began to detest it. So, if I saw it, I smelled it, I would be like, ugh. So, that was July 11, 2009. I hadn't eaten beef and pork since then. So, I was eating chicken, turkey, and fish up until my, um, my aunt passed. I said, I'm going to fast from chicken and turkey. I was going to fast from chicken, turkey, and fish, but I still had some salmon left. Some salmon croquette. I had to make them for my gal and my mama them. <laughs> so I had I stopped eating chicken and turkey on and drinking milk on 2000 and uh, I mean in uh, August 16, 2013, and then August 27, I stopped eating fish, and I fasted from all of that. I didn't eat none of that. I didn't eat no any of that for 320 days, and I broke my fast in Jamaica, not Jamaica, in uh, Mexico, 2014, uh, Memorial Day weekend, mm. and so what happened even after that. And this one of the things that set me in motion was, I was like I said, I was reading Dr. Lali Africa's book. Right. And then my homegirl, Tandra, who's getting a doctor right now in St. Louis U, she told me, she said, you look up this man named Dr. Sebi. He said, we ain't supposed to eat none of that you stuff you talking about. The black eyed peas, the, none of that, that brown rice. I used to eat brown rice. Right. Thought it was healthy. I thought it was better than white rice. When I found out, when I started watching Dr. Sebi, I was like, oh my God. So that really set me in motion. It made me, it turned me into a different, it turned me into a real vegan. I don't even want to call it vegan, but it turned me into a natural a eater. You know what I'm saying? And uh, even I still mess up from time to time, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a man and nothing human is alien to me. Right. Wow. So what do you, uh, what do you primarily consume? Or what are some of the things that you eat if you vegan? I'm not familiar with the vegan diet. Some of our listeners aren't either. Well, I eat boogers from time to time if I'm hanging around my niece and nephew. Right. Those have a lot of nutrients, actually. Because they salty. crazy. My, my nephew, Michael, he's probably digging this nose right now. Get out your nose, boy. And look, <laughs> I, I was FaceTiming him the other day, and I ain't even seen him in some years. You know what I mean? And he just all in his brain. You can see his fingers coming through his forehead. I'm like, bro, if you don't dig it. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, what are we talking about again? <laughs> Veganism. What do I eat? What do you eat, man? Okay. Um, one of my favorite uh, things to eat is Kalaloo. Okay. And what is that? That's the real spinach. That's the good spinach. It's full of iron, man. It just and it just gives you a bunch of energy. Okay. You know what I mean? And you can just run through a brick wall, you eat that stuff. Because remember, most people be sick because they don't have no iron. The iron is real low. Everybody you know is anemic but me. <laughs> 
You know, I'm not gonna lie, I might be anemic. Nah, I you said you might really, jack really you easily. Okay, yeah, so I gotta eat some Kalaloo. What else do I need in my diet, man? Oh, okay, well, first of all, I'm about to charge you for this this conversation. Hey, man, this is for the family, the Create Your Life Series family. Nah, okay, here. Nah, I'll tell you. Tell us. I always wanted to say it. Bless okay, us. I'll tell you. And you don't Bless just, us. They say it like on Nickelodeon. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, Kalaloo, um, I love sour sauce. Okay. That's one of the most amazing plants God ever created. Um, and they say it's 10,000 times stronger than chemotherapy because what it does is it not only does it clean and purify the blood, um, it it uh, promotes the growth of healthy cells and it destroys cancers or any other cells that are, you know, you know, dangerous. Hmm. Okay. I eat that. I eat watermelon. I had my mama eat some watermelon one day. She, she loved that watermelon. Minus the fried chicken. Oh, yeah. We ain't messing with no chicken. Now, my mama still be trying to nibble on it when I catch it. I be like, hey, put your plate on. <laughs> but now nah, I don't mess with like that, man. I'm trying to live, man. Because if hey. we're we going to be one with God, bro, we got to at least try to get close. And eating bad stuff, and you can't be, how you, mm-mm, nope. Right. I mean, it just, it seems like being a vegan is such a, a big commitment, right? I have maybe one, a couple other friends who are vegan as well. Do How do you feel, you know, once you make that transition? Like, how did your body feel when you start, when you cut out the meat and did all of that? How does your, how did your body change? Or, you know, I, I know that you hit the gym. Like, does it, is it helping you in the gym? Like, what's... Yeah, I stopped, I stopped getting, I used to have allergies real bad. I used to have allergies really bad. And I no longer have allergy problems. And it stopped when I stopped eating beef and pork. And then now that I don't eat, you know, and he's even drinking milk. So now that I don't do any of that, you know, it's really, my allergies are really clear. I don't have any problems. Do you drink like soy milk or anything like no, that? No, that's, that's, that's retarded if I would do that. I, I'm talking about I eat natural stuff. Soy ain't natural. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So Teach me, man. Teach me. Yeah, I got you, brother. Um, But it's, um, well, it gives me a bunch, it gives me energy. You know what I'm saying? And then also my feet don't stink no more. I know that sounds sound funny. I'm a comedian, but I'm dead serious. Your feet and your breath won't stink if you stop eating meat. They hmm. won't. Because the reason why your feet and breath stink is because you got something dead sitting in your body. You got you turned your body into a cemetery. So it's got to stink. You think when, when they buried your uncle in them, that his that the area where he at up under, you know, if you take them the box, get him out of that box, you don't think that part of the ground stink? Hmm. I never even thought of it like that. I know, because you went crazy. <laughs> and see, I wonder why I'm over here looking all good, my skin shining with this shape of them, all these minerals on this. And my hair is all good and nappies. <laughs> I'm her. See, y'all playing. I'm trying to live. I'm her. I mean, I said her, Louis. not her. Well, her. I don't See, know. I ain't from St. Louis, man. Her. I don't got it. I got to do it just her. I didn't say her. Her. I, her. There you go. Her. 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 Here you go. Her. Come here. Come here, boy. That's how you Come here. See, y'all be, Come here. Uh, her. Her. I say here because I'm from California. So okay. I say here. What part of Cali you from? I'm from the Bay. I'm from Vallejo, man. Oh, look. Speaking man. of the Bay. Really? What's up? You you won an Oakland Comedy Award. Tell real quick, rapper, take us through that. I won the Oakland, the Bay Area Black Comedy Competition and Festival in 2012 on May the 21st. That was on my grandmother's birthday. Okay. It's also the day that my homeboy, uh, Lord, he's a comedian. He actually just passed this May 21st. Sorry, um, yeah. And I've been fasting ever since then. This thing is day 88. But anyway, what happened was I go out there. Um, a lot of my homeboys told me in St. Louis, this is in 2009, August. I mean, August, around December, January, they were telling me, "Hey, don't go down, don't, don't go to, don't, don't go, don't go to Oakland, go, don't go to the Bay Comp, the there, don't go to Oakland, don't go to the Bay, don't go to the competition. You ain't gonna win, and they gonna cheat you. You're not gonna get out of the first round because they picked the people that they want to win already. So ain't no point mm-hmm. in wasting your time. So my manager Puncho, you know what I'm saying, he bought me a ticket anyway and paid for my hotel because I ain't had no money. Right. So I go out there. 
And it's how cocky I was. I haven't done comedy about seven months. I said, if them folks get me, if I can get out of the first round, meaning I get to do more than five minutes of material, I said, somebody's going to try, try to sign me. I said, I'm going to get my break right here. Because I've been put like this, bro. That's how much I believe in myself. I've been getting my, I've been in my mind been so close to a break. I knew I was that funny. I said, if they see me for 10 minutes, it's over with. Right. So I made it, I, not only out of the first round, but I made it to the finals. Mm-hmm. And I was the favorite to win. The dude, Bob Sumner from Def Comedy Jam, actually hit me up on, on Facebook. Then he called me and said, I heard you the favorite. you the eyes on favorite to win the uh, competition this year. Bob Sumner, the dude who picked Bernie Mac and put him on TV. Wow. That's, okay. the, same, that's the same dude who had me, who put me on Apollo April 7th. I don't know. Yeah, the show you didn't come to. Uh, funny guy. You're mm-hmm. right. But, but I'll be at the next one. So to, to, to speed this one up, I lost in the first, I lost the first time. Okay. Uh, I wasn't ready. I was too new. Don D.C. Curry was hosting. That's my grandmother's favorite comedian. He was hosting. I got nervous. He did a joke about Tiger Woods, and that was one of the jokes I was going to open with. I was so young, I didn't know how to adjust to that. Right. I got scared because I was like, how can I go behind his joke? So I ended up, damn, dog on their bombing. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, Because right. you, you were in your head. Yeah. So okay. I, I started doing my, this joke I do about midgets, and they, they booed me. And I kept on going, you know, and then I made it, but I didn't win. And it, you know, I was hurt because I messed up. Went back the next year. I had a better set. I had a flawless set, in my opinion, in the opinion of my manager, and I still didn't win. They gave it to another guy who was funny. But okay. I figured, I, I thought I did better, and I thought I should have won. But he was amazing. The next year, I go back. I had no money. I flew out there on a, on a one-way ticket. I didn't have enough money to uh, get a hotel. If I, got, if I got a hotel, I wouldn't have enough money to eat. And if I, even if I bought money to eat, if I had money to eat, I was going to end up being stuck in California if I didn't make it to the finals of the competition. Because you get to the finals, you get, you know, $500. Right. So your you back know. was against the wall. Yeah, I just needed to get to the finals. I needed to win. Up. I needed to get to the finals because me and my girlfriend were about to break up right before I left. She said, why, why are you going to go? You, you're not going to win. They, you, you said they cheated you. You don't even have the money. Do not go. And I was like, I just got to go. Right. I was like, I, ain't, I don't even want to win no more. I just want to show them that I'm, I'm funny and I'm better than the dudes that keep on, you know, paying attention to in the industry and not me. This was in my head. And bro, I went out there. And I didn't have no, I didn't have no money to eat. My homeboy, big O, let me sleep on this couch in this hotel. I gave him fifty bucks, and then I was eating just a little bit, so I'm losing weight, it's a whole lot of weight. Not even just weight, but I'm losing energy. Then I'm starting to get sick. I'm having fevers and stuff. End up finding out a week later, I had an abscess on my tooth. Mm. And so this is my grandmother's birthday, and I just went through a whole bunch of hell. And I said, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this. I think I'm supposed to go back and get my PhD, like I planned. I planned on going to Howard after taking a year off from, from uh, Tennessee State. That's what I planned on doing, but I. I ended up doing comedy. And I was like, man, this is too hard. I'm not making no money. I was like, my girlfriend mad at me. I was like, my friends getting their doctor degrees and they driving BMWs and I'm over here struggling trying to keep up on this car and owning this Volvo. And I was about to quit. And I'm, I mean, my, my beliefs are traditional. So I believe in my ancestors. So I said, grandmother, I said, granny, please just give me a sign. Because I, I know I'm not supposed to be doing it. Just give me a sign. And that, that night, I kept waiting on because other people did just as well as I did, in my opinion. You know? Right. And I'm just, I just knew I wasn't going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the dude who won the year before, when I thought I should have won, they called, they get ready to call a runner-up. And once you hear the name of the runner-up, if they haven't called your name, you know you won or lost. Uh, so he turns around and starts looking at me. I said, bro, don't play with me. I'm getting real mad, bro. Now I was going to throw, I said, quit playing with me. They called a runner-up, so that meant I won. On my grandma's birthday, boy? And she had just died? That's why no matter what I go through in comedy now, I'm like, bro, I'm destined to be one of the greatest ever because I'm that talented. And I'm deaf, so that means I have to persevere because my grandmother told me that night, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I don't care about telling somebody how good I am because I want to say it because y'all might not say it right. You might not brag on me and, and you use the right adjective to describe what I'm doing. Right. So I know I sound 
confident and cocky. Uh, well, I am a noob. <laughs> what you mean? True. Yo, yo. <laughs> but nah, man, I, I respect that. You know, and that was definitely one of the stories that I felt like the family, the Create Your Life Series family had to hear from me was that story of perseverance and affirming, you know, and attracting that to you. And of course, believing in your ancestors, the people that have come before you, man, that's, that's everything, you know, and that's a part of the journey of creating your life. Because like you said, you could have been at Howard, you know, doing your PhD and totally missing out on who it is that you are in this space right now. Man, I want to, how can people stay in contact with you? As we're wrapping up the show right now, how can people stay in contact with you? What are some of the things that you have coming up? Okay, well, um, number one, I'll ask for it backwards because you asked it backwards. Um, Please do. I like that. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter um, at Willie Lynch underscore J-R, and that's W-I-L-L-I-E-L-Y-N-C-H underscore J-R. Facebook, Willie Lynch. You go hit my little fan page. I need to build it up. I got a lot of friends, but don't, a lot of people on the fan page. Um, and then you can email me. Um, hit my website, WillieLynchJr.com. And if you're interested, I'm actually, the th- one of the biggest things I'm working on right now, besides trying to get ready, trying to, to shoot a sizzle for this television show, which my agent believes we can really sell. Um, I started doing a meal plan. I designed, you know, people kept asking, what should I eat? Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Then my best friend, Lil' Ed, was like, bro, he said, my old lady, I paid for her to do this, get this meal plan from this guy, and it's not, I don't think it's working. And I know you know your stuff. I'd rather give you the money, so can you create one? So I did it, and all my people on social media have been hitting me up, and they've been interested in it because everybody's sick, and we're only getting sick because of the food. Remember, the human body is made of 102 minerals. And anytime those minerals are depleted, that's when disease happens. So the reason why our minerals are our minerals are depleted is because we're putting things in our mouths that snatch them from the, us, or we're not putting the, and or we're not putting the right things in our mouth. Like we're not eating things that's high in iron, high in uh, potassium and calcium and things like that. If your body's low in calcium, then you get arthritis, your bones be brittle and stuff like that. Your iron low, you all type of disease when you're iron low. You can have uh, epilepsy and you know uh, anemia, leukemia, etc. So once that's why I designed the meal plan. People can actually, you know, uh, learn how to eat right. You know what I'm saying? Learn how to stay healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like my hair started falling out until I changed my diet. You know, uh, my skin was messed up. I used to have uh, sinuses, like I told you, really bad. My meal plan shows people how to get rid of all of that type of stuff by main- how to maintain optimal levels of health. So the traveling black vegan at gmail.com. Okay. The traveling black vegan at gmail.com. If you're interested in the meal plan, we can wrap and I can see if I can help you out. Man, that's amazing, bro. Thank you so much, man. Just want to say, shake your hand, bro. Thank you for being on the show. We'll definitely uh, have to have you back as well. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And I guess I got to talk like that too. How would the duck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Create Your Life Series family, we out. Thank you for joining and being with us. <laughs>